Auxiliary. You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio today? <laughs> Heather Haley. And? Jason Flower. Who are you? Please explain, <laughs> Heather. Uh, well, a long time ago, I was in an all-girl band called the Zealots. So we're here today uh, to play some uh, the songs off of the... Flexi, right? Seven-inch Flexi that everyone's giving us grief about. And you have but been we're excited. Mo- who are you motioning to? <laughs> Jason Flower. And who are you, Jason Flower? <laughs> I am a musician and archivist, and I run the label Supreme Echo. And you have brought along Heather. What was Heather mentioning when she was mentioning Flexi Disc? You mentioned <laughs> the label, the label guy, yeah. and Flexi Disc. What is what is a flexi disc? Flexi disc is a micro thin plastic alternative to vinyl records. Uh, they m- basically came out of being a promotional product that were attached to the packaging of cereal boxes. Uh, they were also very popular in culture magazines in Russia and then became popular here in North America and Western Europe as well. They've been reintroduced and uh, they are now a superior version of their original. Uh, incarnation. They're direct metal mastered. They are a better plastic and you can even have them custom cut round. Where was this flexi made? It was made in the Czech Republic which is uh, one of the only uh, places in the world that is doing direct metal mastering. And today you've brought in the Zealots. Heather from the Zealots. How does Heather from the Zealots (laughs) what can you say about the Zealots? Who were the Zealots? Well, as I said, uh, it was my very first band, uh, and it was an all-girl band, as it turned out. Uh, and uh, we formed in Vancouver in 1978, and I had just returned from Alberta after studying music in, at Grant McEwen University and working at the post office and, and, and living in Edmonton, which I hated. So I was really happy to <laughs> be back to Vancouver, and my best friend Kathy Claycorn took me to see DOA at the windmill and. You know, that just, of course, rocked my world, changed my life, and uh, was a catalyst for me 
to find my my voice you know had you heard of punk or girl bands before oh well you know i'd listened to some stuff coming out of britain but i was you know that was my first real exposure walking into that club and you know, just being blasted by the sound and, uh, you know, assault. it was really an assault on the senses, but, you know, I quickly adapted it and I just loved it. And after that, it's, it really did, as I said, you know, catapult me into uh, uh, just feeling like I could do this because all my friends were doing it. You know, all my friends from from Surrey, there was the Surrey contingent, you know, Art Bergman and, oh, well, and Bill Shirk and, and, and Gordon Nickel, they're all. And you dated a schmorg too. <laughs> I did. What's the importance of the schmorgs? Like, for instance, Jason, the schmorgs. I know. Proto-punk. I, I love the schmorgs. Like, I am constantly turning people on to that underrated LP. Right. Uh, would you like to release, re-release the schmorgs? I've considered approaching them. You know, I, I when I get it, I have a record shop in Victoria, and when I get it in, I never exactly know how to describe it. I say to people, like, <laughs> do you like television? Have you ever heard early 70s Springsteen? <laughs> do you like Art Bergman's version of punk rock? listen to this and they're like wow it's it's so earnest you know and very it's independent rock music there's not no commercial aspiration it's just mm-hmm. it's a great record and it was that one of the members which heather dated also recorded the zealots peter, peter draper peter draper how did you meet the schmorgs <laughs> well, was it post or pre-punk well i went to high school with art and he was a few years ahead of me in high school and so i and i was we all knew each other and then i met pete the the, the guitarist in the band so I'd end up just running around with them. And I was good friends with Olene, too, the singer. And she sang really wonderful harmonies with Art. They used to sing together a lot. And so I knew all the all the, the members of the band. You know, they're all friends of mine. So I went out to all the shows. And th- didn't they used to be called Mount Lehman Grease Band yeah. at one time? In yeah. the very beginning, they were called Mount Lehman Grease Band. Now, what year was <laughs> this? And how would you describe the schmorgs? Because, they, have, you know, what is the history of the schmorgs? What they, they evolve into? Well, I mean, that band, it seemed like they were together for a long time, probably four or five years at least, you know. And I, I'm not good with, with you know, theorizing about different kinds of genres of music, but, I mean, they kicked ass, and they were really good. They were very talented, and we and their shows got really wild. Dave Mitchell was the singer for a while. Do you know who he is? No, I know Mel Lehman would have been like an MLA, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was, and mm-hmm. he was a wild man, and he was a great front man. And and then later, he, after he left, uh, uh, Art fronted the band, and they recorded that record at the studio that I ran with Peter in Sydney, BC. Sydney, BC, <laughs> where I'm from, where Supreme right. Echo started. Not right. only a what Canadian connection, but an Animo connection. And we are talking here to Victoria Heather Haley from the Zealots and Jason Flower. From Supreme Echo Records. That's right. And actually, Supreme Echo is a record store, too. That is yes, correct. right. It's a music boutique. Yeah. In Victoria. It's, it's the size of the studio we're sitting in, <laughs> which, for those listening, I'd say is about 100 square feet. And actually, <laughs> earlier, we I talked to Michael Kissinger, who was... Uh, uh, in the band of Papalomas mm. from the Nimo, mm. and he was wondering, aside from the mix, because he remembers the mix. You yes. remember the mix yes. from the Nimo? Were there any punk rock bands from the Nimo? The Sedated, the number one, <laughs> the legend for Nanaimo is the Sedated, which you will find listed in the thanks list of the mix cassette. The only group that was truly underground that would have released something that we know of is a group called American Slander, and that was in 1987. But the living legend 
from Nanaimo is the sedated. What about <laughs> 60s bands? Like the Pharaohs from Victoria were like a 60s band. The Pharaohs? What about 60s bands? What about 60s <laughs> Vancouver music? Was there much of that? On Vancouver, yeah. The Pharaohs are Victor- were Victoria's very first rock and roll group. They actually started in 1959 and they existed up until 72. So they transcended genres. And then for Nanaimo, you had groups like the Invaders, which is pre-Twitch, which we will hopefully get to later today. The Invaders were basically like a, a, a Nanaimo version of the Sonics. And apparently there's an acetate that was cut, whether it still exists. Who knows? But there was only the Ferrell's seven inches around, right? Yeah, there were a number. But no, not only. There was also Bobby Falds and the Strangers. Uh, Victoria had a vibrant, very vibrant 60s scene. But it would have been a, a lot less multicultural than here in Vancouver. So I wouldn't say we had as much R&B as you had here with like Bobby Taylor and the Vancouvers and so on. You have been a try. How do you how do you win over Heather Haley? How does Heather Haley get won over by Jason? Like Heather, you are from the Zealots. You've had this record for years, right? These recordings that we are about to hear have been. You have had them close to your heart for years. How does Jason walk in (laughs) and suddenly release on Flexi? Well, Jeremy, you said Jeremy Turner, absolutely, with a big smooch, all about. Um, the Zealots, and because uh, um, I know he worked Jeremy, with you, right? Yes, Jeremy and I worked on different other kinds of projects, nothing to do really with music. Jeremy's an old bandmate of mine, I should say. Yeah, sorry. So Jeremy Turner, uh, Turner, and then the, uh, but yeah, I've been carrying around this cassette copy of the demo tape that we recorded with Peter Draper in a basement in a house on Thirty Fourth Avenue near Victoria Drive, and, uh, and he's such an amazing engineer. He did a great job on it, and it turned out beautifully. But this cassette that I had. Uh, you know, one of the songs got erased. You know, you always carry around cassettes and stuff. The whole like, thing was full of dropouts. It was the most damaged oh. source t- tape I've ever, ever and used. We spent two years trying to track down the master reel. Sadly, Peter died uh, many years ago now. And we couldn't find any of his, uh, you know, his archives or recordings or anything. And I got in touch with his sister and his brother. And they tried to help, but they couldn't find anything. So we had to use this beat-up old cassette that I had been carrying around most of my adult life. And playing. Yeah, well, yeah, I hadn't played it in a long time. I didn't want to anymore, right? Because I was, I knew that it was going to. She definitely it. played it because she'd record <laughs> recorded over parts of it too. What was recorded over it? One of the songs got recorded what over. What did you record and the, over? The song it? was called "Numbness." I don't, I can't remember. It's probably just something I was listening to in my, you know, my car or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's terrible. So you have this cassette, <laughs> all terrible. the zealots, yeah. this rare Vancouver punk rock well, artifact. How does Jason? <laughs> come into your life and I would say it was well, Jeremy you know, really Jeremy had worked with six degrees of separation yeah you know, Jeremy less had, than your bandmate yeah so Jeremy and I were in a band called Stick Farm together many many years ago he lives in Vancouver he's mm. a, st- a very active individual in his own way um, and uh, he knows that for years since doing the Neos record on my last label Break Even I've really come to focus on doing archival releases and he said hey you know this woman that I'd worked with Heather Haley she was in a punk rock band here in the late 70s and for a while I was like oh yeah whatever I got enough going on and then he he'd mentioned <laughs> well, you it again you had the ditch rags right? That's, that's right it's so many more you know and it's overwhelming because for me it's about detail I don't want to overlook anything I want to do this really truly correctly and I want to remaster uh, the material 
you know, I don't want to change it, but I want to optimize everything. And I will wait years to gather images and make sure that I pry out of the people the story behind it. You know, for I want these to be documents that people can refer to, like you and the people listening. Mm -hmm. So it took time. We tried to find the master, mm -hmm. you know, and... Uh, yeah, we were discussing that, that yeah. we should have just given up the search maybe after year one. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But we kept thinking, well, we really wanted it so sure. badly. We kept thinking, but oh, maybe by some miracle it'll turn up sure. somewhere. But by then, you know, people like Phil Sainsbury and Scott Beadle had supplied uh, images, you know, gig posters. Sure. Uh, the UBC archive had already also appeared online, which we were able to reference. Mm -hmm. And we got a hold of Bev Davies and got some photos. So, you know, everything, mm -hmm. when it comes to doing archival releases right, I think it takes time to compile and acquire all the material. Yeah, that said, there is a, a lovely booklet inside too. As there always will be. And with text these. and copy. And posters. Yeah. <laughs> Had yeah. anybody else approached you, Heather? About this sort of yeah, thing? For releasing your music. Mm, had no. there been. No one else is crazy enough. Are you kidding? Had you seen the zealots <laughs> mentioned over the years? Well, sure. Sometimes, you know, not a, not a lot, because we were quite obscure and the band only lasted less than a year so uh, but it's funny because our name is on a lot of the original posters because we did a slew of you know just in a flurry did all these shows when we mm. first you know finally got our set together and I remember the first show at the Smiling Buddha we had to play the first song over at the end you know for an encore <laughs> because we didn't have enough songs the in first the set it wasn't that. long enough well actually this <laughs> the band the New Radicals do you remember the band the New sure. Radicals yeah I think they had the song like well, anyways, he played uh, many bands. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of bands twice. have to yeah. do that. You have to you know, improvise, right? But um, yeah, so we played a whole flurry of shows, and we were on um, some incredible, incredible bills with some you know incredible Vancouver bands from that era. So, so, so every once in a while, but I'm sure a lot of people's reaction was. Who were the zealots? You know. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, for the zealots, there was a Toronto zealots, wasn't there? Well, what happened was after we split up, um, Jane and Christine, the bassist and the guitarist, they're from London, Ontario, and we had met through a buy and sell ad here in Vancouver. They had come out here to the west coast, and uh, and that's Connie and I, Connie Noe, the drummer, and I put an ad in the buy and sell. That's what everybody did then, you know, when you're looking for a band or putting a band together. And so they turned up, and they were, we were, we were just so impressed with their ability and talent. And so we, we formed this group, and, uh, and then they, they ended up, like I said, the band didn't last very long. It was just such a, you know, really stupid. We shouldn't have broken up. We were really good. But we didn't know that we were that good. You know, we just didn't know it at the time. Didn't understand. Yeah, when you hear the level of composition you know? in this stuff. But anyway, so then they, they, they split for, they went back to Ontario. And then I ended up going to Los Angeles because I, I f uh, formed a group with uh, Brad Kent and Randy Rampage called the 45s. And that ended up happening because Brad had been in the Avengers, you know, in San Francisco. And so he knew, but we all knew each other anyway, because we all toured up and down the West Coast. You know, Black Flag played here all the time, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Dills. We all knew each other, and we all, you know, when we toured, we'd put each other up, and, and you know, on their, and various houses and stuff like that, and crashed on somebody's couch. You know, we all did that. So there was a real circuit, a West Coast circuit. But um, so I ended up going to Los Angeles, and then I ended up staying there and forming a band down there. And, and I called my band, Heather Haley and the Zealots, and they went to Ontario and called their band the Zealots. And, you mm. know, used the same self spelling and everything. So I heard the name. The name was out there. Did, was there yeah. many releases by the Zealots? Did no. the Ontario band release any I'm music? Yeah, I think they did. There's a compilation yeah. track mm -hmm. uh, on a London, Ontario 
compilation. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's certainly studio stuff. There's also a documentary that was done in the very early phase of the group, which I'm certainly looking into right now because I really like the sound of the material. You know, it's the same great rhythm section there. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that that year of the Zealots uh, has got more of a, a gothic overtone. Why don't we listen to some of the Vancouver Zealots? Yeah. Exactly. But I was going to mention to you, Jason Flower, you are wearing <laughs> a Venom t-shirt right Damn now. Damn right, brother. Because Venom are playing in Vancouver. A version of Venom is playing in That's Vancouver. That's what I was going to say. Is, is, it Venom, is it Venom without Cronus from Venom? Isn't you know, Cronus the main guy from Venom? Technically, the real Venom is is the guitarist and drummer because they formed the band and Kronos joined later. But for me, the character voice of Venom, I'd rather see Kronos with a bunch of newbies backing him up any day. But I'm going to go and have a great time. I think the guy that's replaced him is a real gent, and I'm looking forward to a great show. It is Venom Inc., right? Yeah. Is Kronos playing them? No, no. It's a different... It's uh, Demolition no, Man leading the band. But is Kronos playing anywhere? Yes, yes. Demi uh, so they surrendered so the name. So there are two versions There's, of yeah, Venom Because Mantis and Abaddon have surrendered the name to him many years ago when they'd stopped playing. And he's, he's legally able to carry on the Venom name. And then... What happened is these guys got sort of reanimated, but they couldn't use the same name. So they're Venom Incorporated using Demolition Man, who came in uh, around 1990, replacing Chrono. Don't it, get me started, man. I does, can talk about Venom all day. But it does get complicated, doesn't it? So it's, there were three versions of the Zealots, and what? How many versions? How many, how many, all these bands. Venom versus the Zealots. <laughs> you know? Amazing. So let's check out this amazing hybrid. Venom meets the Zealots. <laughs> we're going to hear Vampire. Anything you'd like to say about Vampire Love, this track we're about to hear? It's a short song. Um, <laughs> all three songs by the Zealots, which we're going to hear, are stylistically quite different, but they're all very confidently played. Um, this was the most damaged. So you're going <laughs> to hear that the dropouts we were able to fill in the spaces, uh, except for one. So at the very beginning, it's you're not hearing a skip, you're hearing a repair. But the, the momentum of the body of the song is still there. The Ooh. Zealots on CITR with Heather from... The Zealots. And Jason from... <laughs> Supreme Echo. Do -do oh, not yet! Here is the Whoa. Zealots! <laughs> <laughs> Masquerade, you went to the mall. 
wschodzie wszystko w porządku na bliskim wschodzie wszystko gra tam pokój i spokój jechać tylko tam życie i płynie słodką ropą banany cytrusy i słońca żar życie i płynie słodką ropą banany cytrusy i słońca żar Wszystko w porządku, na bliskim wschodzie wszystko gra Tam pokój i spokój, na wakacje tylko tam Jesteś gdzie indziej, na przykład w Chile Urwał ci język, kiedy śpiewasz jak ja Jesteś gdzie indziej, na przykład w Chile Urwał ci język, kiedy śpiewasz jak ja Wszystko w porządku, na całym globie wszystko gra Odpocząć bym chciał w RPA Odpocząć bym chciał w RPA You are still listening to CITR, the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guests. Jason Flower. Heather Haley. Jason, you mentioned, I forgot to mention what we played <laughs> off the top, and that was very important, wasn't it? The yeah, stiffs. That's right. The first time ever, ever yeah, on the I radio. Definitely. Absolutely. The song's No Money. It was from uh, a session that was done for a 7-inch, which didn't come out because the, the band folded. They did a three-song session. Uh, I, if I recall correctly, it was done at Ocean uh, in 1978. So that's one of the three songs. And who was in the Stiffs? Because they are famous for Fuck You. Yeah, so, well... <laughs> one of the songs did come out didn't, on Last Call. That's right. Fuck You came out. So that's from that master tape. So Zippy Pinhead and Sid Sick were in the band. And then we had two guys. We had Jerry Hanna and uh, Mike is it Graham, is his last name, that went on to the Subhumans. But the majority of the early Subhumans hits were, in fact, songs done by the Stiffs. And the seven, the seven song, seven inch EP that I'm doing, which is a hard vinyl. Seven release. songs. Yeah, and it will have a number of the songs that the Subhumans made famous. It has, uh, it's got O Canada on it, and Fuck You. Uh, I left off the Slave to My Dick because I think the the version by the Subhumans is way better. So, mm-hmm. where did you find it? Sid Sick. We met at the uh, Dishrags release party, and uh, all of the Dishrags came up to me. You know, we're, we're very friendly, and they're like, you got to meet Sid. He's, you know, his band was awesome. He has this recording. And, and, you know, I think there was this notion that, like, that fame really that would have been, you know, something that he shared was completely shadowed by this band uh, breaking off, you know. Because the, Mike and... and um, Jerry, it was a very friendly thing. They're like, look, we're going to go do this now, and you guys can still use the jam space, and we're forming this new band. You know, and then Sid went on to Rabbit, which don't really have any official recordings, and we're a great But he DOA-like had a reel group. still left? Yeah, he had, Sid had the master tape. Hi, Sid. He's a great guy. That's, oh, yeah. I love Sid. Sid's yeah, great. Sweetheart. Did you ever see the Stiffs, Heather? Uh, no, but I saw Rabbit all the time, and we 
played a few hours together, and they used to rehearse in my basement sometimes. They're like a DOA junior to me. Yeah, they're no, yeah. they were yeah, we great times. Well, really it, loved those guys. There was a famous story about Rabid. How when the Clash came to town, how people local punks. I, what, do you remember the Clash coming to town? Yeah, I was at that show. I mean, I was at the Commodore show. And yeah. afterwards, the Clash went and partied, mm-hmm. but. There were two bands that they could check out, apparently. The mm-hmm. Pointed Sticks or Rabid. Mm-hmm. And people were mad that The Clash might check out The Pointed Sticks because they didn't represent punk. <laughs> Whereas Rabid did. Oh, I probably did. heard rumblings to that effect. Uh, there was a big deal made about the fact that they played like, soccer w- with with everybody. There was a big yes. soccer game. And but where would The Clash was... go after the gig? Oh, would they see, parties. But would they see a the... A series of parties. Would they see the pump? <laughs> Punk, pointed sticks, or would they see some real no, punk? hardcore punk. What were rabid like? Rabid? Oh, they were great. That's I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really not good with superlatives. But <laughs> it, well, I, just, it was I loved rabid. High energy. Yeah. West Coast punk great rock. Songs. Not on, not really unlike DOA. I would say. Did any mm. of the stiff songs become rabid songs? Didn't, mm. Wasn't didn't didn't they have a, a track on one of the compilations? No, oh, no. I thought they did. They no. had fuck you. The stiffs did. The stiffs no, did, which rabid. were also known as the negatives. But that's mm. a whole other story. But no, rabid. They have live recordings. They used to do some. Uh, I think they even did uh, a Stooges song or two. But generally. They, they sound not unlike DOA. Mm. And that is going to be released on Supreme Echo. Very soon, yes. And you just released some zealots, and we <laughs> heard that from the top. Yep. What can you say about the zealots that we heard? That song, well, I, I told you about it before we played it. Vampire um, Love? Vampire Love. Vampire maybe, Love. Maybe you want to say something Anything about it. Anything more? N- no. And then we... <laughs> But then we followed up with corpse paint in 74? 73? Please explain. That in was 73. Twitch. Twitch, Twitch. Uh, who uh, have quite the legacy. They started in 71. They released their first 45 in 73, about, a, about 100 copies made. That is uh, one from the one song from the A side record. That's uh, Hitchin is Illegal on the 401, where they make some uh, regional references. Um, yeah, so they were, they are, in my opinion, the quintessential proto-punk group. They had satanic imagery, uh, very taboo subject matter. Uh, the The public response was too extreme. They felt people weren't really ready for it, and uh, it was it was becoming quite negative, even though they were very into it. So, and they ended up abandoning it for a, a more happy image and sound in 76 but by 77 they were doing Ramones and Pistols covers but they had bell bottoms and you know and uh, you know handlebar mustaches so the, the younger punks were like who the hell are these guys they didn't want anything to do with them you know? how did you discover Twitch like how did you find your 7 inch god or how did you know about Twitch? Who told you about Twitch? You know in that case this is this is one of the examples of technology really working to my advantage, the internet working to my advantage. I believe I had seen a rare record sale because I was curious and, and searching some finished eBay auctions for rare Canadian 45s and probably typing in keywords because it's it's how you discover things from different regions of Canada. And it had, it had come up as a, as a pr- proto-metal release. Um, it was a 1973 that had been paired with photograph from about 78. And just the imagery made me very curious. And then I found this crazy picture online that they'd made, that they'd put up on a very primitive website, which still is there and gets no action. And it had a picture of them in full corpse paint stabbing their drummer. And I contacted them. And um, first I heard the records, but then they had some masters on an eight track cartridge. And that stuff was just, it was pure evil. 
So, Were they the first band to wear corpse paint? Well, you've got Arthur Brown. You have Alice Cooper, was, which was their, Im- oh, yeah. their inspiration. But right. as a full group, they predate Kiss. You bring that on, Mr. Trying to trademark the, the term OJ and Orange Juice, Gene Simmons. They pre, predate Kiss going public with full corpse paint. When they saw Kiss play in 75, they were so disillusioned that they wanted to abandon their image entirely. Because <laughs> it had been absconded. Well, they were just but. like, everybody's going to think we're ripping off Kiss. Yes, right. And they're half as good as us. And our stage show was way crazier. <laughs> they had cauldrons. They had burning crosses. They would stage the murder of their drummer with blood everywhere. And, you know, and, and here's Kiss with a siren shining around on stage while they're playing Firehouse. And you are Jason Flower from Supreme <laughs> Echo. So we heard the Zealots, we heard Twitch, and we heard Brack, which means uh, void. They're from Wuj, Poland. The song was called Na Bliskim Schodzie, which means in the Middle East. And that was a new wave punk track from 1981 that was released on wow. Victim of Safety Pin, the anthology of Polski Punk 1977 to 82, which was my first release on Supreme Echo. Can you get more rare than that? <laughs> you can't. Well, the Zealots. We- well, there that's pretty rare. The zealots are pretty okay. rare. Too, the cassette yeah. of the zealots. Your son helped digitize the zealots. The, mm, no. <laughs> but your son is a YouTuber, right? Oh yeah, my son. Yeah, Lucas. Like he's 140 got, subscriptions. 140,000. He's got 100 over 100,000 subscribers now. Tell me his trick. Yeah. Yeah. And Five uh, million. He, you know what? Views. He's, he's totally and completely uh, into video games, and his uh, channel. Is all every video is about you know in depth analysis of, of a certain game or you know an issue. He just goes, and I'm it's on such an esoteric level, I it blows my mind. But he's carved out his own niche and he's it's got cool. this, and he's making a living at it. He's blowing me out of the water. I can't believe what it. are we doing wrong, Heather? Uh, well, we'll put, we some zealots, early. put some zealots on YouTube, <laughs> right? And you can compete with your son, yeah. Well, maybe I if we make I a video game. Am. I probably am. And that is a Race of Vic channel? What, yeah, and you know How what? do people you find know, his you know channel? You know who his dad is? From Mike, the Shades. Michael Razovic, who was in the Shades. He was wow. Sarnet. Who played keyboards in the Shades. He played bass. Michael. Oh, Michael. didn't he do Nuke Clientel? No. Uh, there was Reed. Reed. What was his name? Reed Taylor played keyboards. I don't know, but I know that Shades. song. He was also in Damage Say Dimage, right. wasn't he? He was with Mary, Mary Jo. I remember they loved leather pants, didn't they? Yeah, he? they looked really hot. Yes, <laughs> he's a very <laughs> sexy guy. <laughs> he really is. Do you like leather pants? <laughs> well, I thought it was pretty impressive that the whole band, was, when they came in to see ITR, was wearing leather pants. Uh-huh. That is All pretty amazing. Yeah. Heather, is that house on Thirty Fourth Avenue still there? You know what? Because that's where it all started, right? right? Your band is Zealots. That's right, yeah. And, and when Connie and I rented this house, it was a huge house on the corner, uh, four bedrooms upstairs, and it was $400 a month. And it had a huge living room with a fireplace and a yard and a, dry, and a basement, which we converted into a, uh, rec- a studio, like we could rehearse down there. And I remember we drove to the beach and filled up plastic bags with sand and brought them back and stuffed, you know, the windows, the the huts. Anyway, we soundproofed it really well. And we used to rehearse. We had tons of parties and jam sessions and with all all the bands would come over and play. Is the house still there? Anyway, no, I don't think so. I think it's been replaced by condos, I'm pretty sure. Because I did drive by there 
recently and went on, on my way to a job and I and I specifically looked for it and I couldn't see it the house I'm pretty sure it's been replaced by condos when you walked into that windmill gig and saw DOA were there any other girls in the audience or was it kind of scary <laughs> I'm sure there were other girls in the audience. Um, yes, it was scary. I was completely overwhelmed and just have you know my mind was completely blown by the whole experience. And but I had my best friend Kathy with me, and uh, no, she had introduced me to all everybody. She'd been here the whole time I was out in Edmonton. So she and and like I said, she re- I reconnected with all my friends from Surrey. You know, Art and and John and all those people, and that was fun. But uh, so I quickly made friends with everybody and, you know, got to know um, all the girls in the scene. And we had a lot of fun. It was great. What other girl bands were there? There was the Dishrags. There were the Devices. There was the Zealots. What other girl bands were there? Well, you just named pretty much all of them. But there was Animal Slaves, remember? Yes. Yeah, with Elizabeth Fisher and Rachel Mellis. They were going back that far? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, because um, I left um, Vancouver in 1980, and and I remember seeing them play. But that might have been when I came back on a trip. There was the Sick Fucks from Victoria. They played more Mm -hmm. in Vancouver than than they did in Victoria, and that would have been 79, 80. But I think... Uh, was that was there is that it was there another all girl group maybe after I left I don't know I can't disclose that the information 80s at were this time <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's not relevant what about uh, Seattle or Portland like there was the Neo Boys mm-hmm. and you mentioned that China Camitas Camitas yeah. yeah they fronted by a woman I can't remember visible her name. targets I, used I was to mentioning know her. to you that there those three sisters with a, a guy playing drums yeah, phenomenal I love that, group. I love that name oh, it's great. awesome group there was also the lewd from Seattle. Yeah, I remember them. Olga from the Lude. Yeah. Did you know any of those bands? Did you ever play well, with I them? Well, I knew, like I said, I used to date the drummer from Chinas Comitas, Brock Wheaton, and his brother was um, a, a guy named Mark Wheaton who used to play uh, music for Johanna Went, you know, the performance artist in Los Angeles. So like I said, yeah, there was this whole up and down. Where were they from, the China Comitas? Chinas Comitas, they were yeah. from Seattle. And Brock and, and his brother Mark were from Seattle. Oh, there was the but accident. I knew them in Los Angeles. You know, from Bellingham. Yep, accident. That's very. Oh, yeah, early I remember as well. them, but I don't remember what they sounded like. But I remember hearing about those those people. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, I mean, everyone up and down the coast pretty much at that time knew each other because we had to sort of you know I think the Vancouver survive that way you know help each other out in order yeah. to survive. Them. I think the Vancouver scene was evidently a lot larger than what was going on in Seattle at that I think period. So. That's probably true. You know, no poo-pooing on Seattle. I mean, those bands are awesome. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that this hub just had a lot more action. Yeah. What was it like Heather Haley of the Zealots crossing the border in the 70s or 80s? Like, what did they ask? What did people, <laughs> what did you say? Well, I mean, you know, I just, I, I, I tried to be, look respectable, I suppose. <laughs> you know? What were the tricks? I can look like a nice girl. Was that girl. a trick? I mean, I look like a nice girl, don't I? I mean, you know, people don't. Uh, but what was it like crossing the border back then? It was then? easy. <laughs> back then, it wasn't hard at all. Like, we are going to Nordstrom's. <laughs> yeah. Go on through. We're going to go buy some gas, some cheap <laughs> food, you know. <laughs> go to Trader Joe's. I mean, you know, it was really super easy. I didn't have any problems ever. But, I mean, I, I, I can I do pride myself on being a snake in the grass. It's part of the reason I drive a Volvo, Jason, by the way. <laughs> I thought it was a K car. What do I know? <laughs> I drove him here into my Volvo, my beat-up old 93 Volvo. But I like to, you know, I, if you have to blend in sometimes, that's what you have to do, you know. So the Zealots never released a record. No. 
Sadly, did you no. have plans for record? Yeah, well, we had great plans. I mean, we had big plans. I mean, it was a demo, right? And so we were planning to take that demo to all the record companies and get a recording deal, of course. And you we were going to go, you know, be big rock stars. I actually found a, a mention. <laughs> that was the plan. In, in the UBC archives, that, you know, that collection. It, it's UBC, isn't it? That, no, no, it, SFU. Oh, pardon me. Okay, so the yeah. SFU archives actually has a paper where there's reference to a compilation that would feature the Zealots. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I never saw that. Because oh, I'll send document. it to you. Well, I guess I, I was to. curious, like this record that you've released, Jason, and Heather, you participated in, <laughs> says the Zealots, who's on the front cover and was that going to be the cover <laughs> of your record back then? You know what? It's from a poster that, uh, as I said earlier, Jane's boyfriend, Nick uh, Nygaard, he was a very talented artist, visual artist, painter, and he came to all the shows and he took tons of pictures and he designed our posters. And so that poster, he took this uh, picture. It's actually um, an image of, uh, well, a class of Marines, you know, with their white hats and their, uh, and then he, you know, painted over some of their eyes and stuff. And it was a poster for a gig at the Smiling Buddha. So he, t w Jason took that and used it for the. Uh, yeah, I, I asked, like, I, you know, do you have any art? Because we need to have an yeah. era sensitive image. And this just naturally presented. That is itself. very record company talk, isn't it? Era sensitive image. So, oh, that I'm is, a, that is great <laughs> full lingo. Full disclosure, well, I'm a total a nerd label. on this stuff, dude. <laughs> he's a record label. So it was this poster right here, and it was a really great poster. And it was a show we played with the devices and Perfect Stranger. They were, were an all girl band. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Perfect Stranger. I'm trying to remember who was in that band. And uh, that, I think that was the idea of the show. It was all girls, you know, all bands oh. that night. I think a lot of people probably just I think heard Rachel that for the first time. I think Rachel was in that band, Perfect Stranger. Yeah. Maybe they were a forerunner of Animal's Lives. Yeah, I think so. That sounds I'm pretty sure likely. Rachel was in that band, yeah. And in the insert, there was quite a few posters. Yeah. Do you remember a lot of those gigs? Well, vaguely. Because <laughs> you played the Subhumans. Yes. Rock played, Against Prisons. We played, yeah. That was a great show. I remember that show. Rude Norton. And that's the one from the, there's a video that uh, Lenore Herb shot us. All the bands that played that Rock Against Prisons show. So there's video of all the bands from that night. Oh, Rabbit played that show. I've uh, seen yes, the footage of that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the posters. They're great. What about the U Jerks or Tunnel Canary? Do you remember them? Yeah, I, I remember seeing them, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They were. I really liked them a lot. They were great. Like if people were uh, to well, Tunnel Canary were a little hard to take, but like, <laughs> what's the difference between? <laughs> but they, they were hard. To, what? Well, yeah. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're, you know, they were the arty bands, right? You know. What's yeah. that guy's name? Is it Jeremy, the leader? What's his name? Or Angus? Oh or no, uh, oh, he's. He's still around. Yeah, he's an awesome, total freak. He is. He's yeah. he's just a total. Yeah. He's a man on. Two, is it, yeah, it's someone like that. Yeah, he's just in his own world and a very nice man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. No, they're I, you know yeah we played shows with them and and uh, I really liked you jerks. They were they were they were a lot of fun. What about the store Peach Berserk? <laughs> Peach Berserk. Do you remember that in Toronto? You have like a cool shirt from Peach Berserk in <laughs> I do. Toronto. I do. Where was that? What era was that acquired? <laughs> very recent, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why did you see the label on my jacket or something? <laughs> well, I was curious, like Peach Berserk. What were you doing in Toronto at that time? Well, I go to Toronto whenever I can. I love Toronto. No, um, I was just happened to be in Toronto, and I was walking along is it Queen's Street or Queen's Avenue. See, I don't go there very often, but I was and I was just popping into different shops. And there's a store called Peach Berserk, 
and her name's Kinji, the, the, the shop owner. She makes all the clothes herself out of silk. Everything's made out of silk. Uh-huh. And I love silk. It's beautiful. It travels well and everything. And uh, so there was a jacket that I really liked, and she, you know, she altered it for me right on the spot, so it fit me really well. And it's my one of my favorite garments. I wear it a lot. <laughs> Heather Haley from the Zealots, and Jason Flower from Supreme Echo, who has just released the new Zealots record on Flexi Disc. That's right. And you are going to be having a couple appearances. People can buy this, right? Yes. Next oh, yeah. Saturday, we'll be doing three in stores. We'll be starting at Neptune. We'll then go to Red Cat on Hastings, and we'll finish off the day at Music Madhouse in Burnaby. But the uh, real party, so that's going to be an in-store where you'll hear the songs and you get a chance to meet Heather and uh, you can get a record. And uh, later that night, we're going to have a DJ party with uh, Jeff McCloy DJing, and that's going to be at What's Up Hot Dog. You can find all the information about all four of those events through Facebook, uh, the Supreme Echo page, or those individual shops. And we are going to hear right now a brand new... Is this a debut of The Zealots? It is. On the door 203. It's kind of longer, Whoa, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What do you remember about your songs, Heather? Were they short? <laughs> do you remember them being short? Yeah, they were so short, I can't remember them. No, they were, uh, I loved our songs. We had a lot of fun writing them and performing them. And that is you singing, right? That's right. So here we have The Zealots on the with On the Dole on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. <laughs>
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJs. 
<laughs> Jason Flower. And Heather Haley. And what did we just hear in that last set? We began with the Zealots. That's right. On the dole. And then we hooked into an Ottawa band, right? Yeah, that was Vendetta uh, off of their Modern Rockers 7-inch from 78, a mustache punk band from the first wave of punk in Ottawa. Singing about Debbie Harry? It it, it was about his obsession with Debbie Harry, and finally he met her um, uh, playing a gig in Toronto and... I think he kissed her on the cheek. That's what the song's about. <laughs> and that will be released on your label? Yes, that's the next release. Uh, it's actually pressed right now. I'm just waiting my, for my beloved designer, Todd Ecrit, to finish the cover. Please, please, Todd. <laughs> and they were one of the few Ottawa punk bands? Yeah, they were from, you know, that no rules. We're inspired and we're going to do what we want to do. And yes, we have mustaches and perms. And it was the same <laughs> time as the Red Squares. Uh, who, you know, mutated their sound very, very quickly. But yeah, the the action, the Red Squares and Vendetta, they are the originators of the Ottawa punk And scene. they were accepted. Oh yeah, they played the Rotters Club. Even though Twitch weren't. Well, <laughs> Twitch were older guys too, so I think it was probably intimidating because my impression is a lot of the first players in the punk scene here were pretty young and you'd see mm-hmm. a bunch of old dudes with bell bottoms and mustaches. And yeah, you had to hate old people. Yeah, <laughs> although a lot of, you know, DOA, they had bell bottoms and... Probably some mustaches too, oh, but yeah. they were young, you know, so. In their past, certainly. And then we heard Stumpwater. Yeah, so that's a low down and dirty band from 72 from Winnipeg, who uh, I think were big potheads and probably really into the Stooges and that kind of stuff. And they did a seven inch and I reissued it. How did you discover them? Hmm, how did I discover them? I think that was probably technology. The too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these aren't, I have to say, but coincidentally, both Twitch and Stumpwater probably were from, you know, digging down a rabbit hole on Google. Heather, you mentioned after the Zealots, you had the 45s. Why did the Zealots break up? Why didn't you do a 7-inch, or why didn't you have... Know, why why didn't, didn't the plans happen? I don't know. I mean, okay, first of all, I do remember... Connie left the drummer I don't know I can't remember why and you know it was a long time ago and (laughs) so it's hard to remember but uh, as I recall uh, Jane and Christine decided to go back to Ontario and so you know it's over but you form another band 45s right right with Brad and Randy and Carla Duplantier from Los Angeles who was in the controllers pretty cool Carla Mad Dog yep Carla Mad Dog now where was that band formed where? Yeah. Oh, well, here in, here in Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, Carla came up from Los Angeles and uh, to, to rehearse with us, and, and, and we were writing songs, me and Brad and Randy. And so we, got, we managed to get a set together, and then um, we went down to play some shows here and then uh, went down to L.A., and we were slated to open for uh, Pill. Pill, yeah. At, yeah, at the Olympic Auditorium, and the band broke out, I think, days before, you know. That, was that your that undoing? <laughs> well, I was. I was really upset. Yes, <laughs> I was very upset. Because Randy Rampage <laughs> in his book describes you kind of like almost that was the undoing of the band. It's like you mm. didn't. It didn't say you broke up. It's kind of like you didn't get to gig. Well, oh. yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it I, seems really sad. You don't get a. You it don't was get sad. G- I was mad. I was angry. I was frustrated, and I remember that. <laughs> so you were gonna have three gigs with Pill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Their I, first I North do, American show. Yeah, I was so excited, and you know, I knew it was a great opportunity, and so looking forward to it. And then I don't know, 
I don't know. I can't remember why well, that band broke up. But <laughs> I just can't remember. Did the 45s record? Uh, no. No. I was telling Jason earlier, there might be some... Um, some rehearsal tapes, but that's we didn't have any, you know, actual recordings. Now. What was the difference? People listening to the Zealots. This is Heather from the Zealots speaking on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. What was the difference between the Zealots and the Forty Five sound wise? Oh, okay. Uh, well, you mean style wise and stuff, right? All of it. <laughs> well, I guess. Okay, uh, we actually r- sort of wrote. We were more sort of tuneful. The Zealots were more tuneful, I would say. Um, Brad liked to write, to write long, rambling, sort of ooh, really involved, convoluted uh, pieces, you know. And uh, so it was, it was, and that was, the ba- that band was louder for sure. And yeah, just a whole different approach to songwriting, you know, that uh, uh, very unlike the Zealots. What do you remember about the gigs in the 45s? Like to get Carla to come from <laughs> LA, she's from the Controllers, to come all the way to Vancouver, that's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, she was good friends with Brad, and I guess Brad convinced her to come up here somehow. And I remember one time she came up to Vancouver, and you were talking about crossing the border earlier. Here's a funny story. So she was stopped at the border coming into Canada, and uh, uh, the, the, the officer, the agent called her Sir. Or something like that, you know. And she said, "I know you don't have any black people up here, but I'm a girl." <laughs> she was really mad. Fair enough. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and then you moved to LA. Yeah, then I moved to LA. We all went down there, you know, me and Brad, and Randy, and ended up, uh, oh God, rehearsing in this horrible building <laughs> on Western Avenue in Hollywood, right on Sunset and Western. All CD, the, a lot of bands rehearsed. CD there. presents helped you, didn't they? Yeah, well, yeah, he was working closely with Dave Ferguson at that time. And Who was CD Presents? Oh, Dave Ferguson and his girlfriend, Carol. I can't remember her last name. Okay. okay. But, yeah, he, he, well, he had a label also in San Francisco called Go. You remember Go Records? I think Mauve might have been on that. Yeah, he put out a record with Mauve uh, and who were from Vancouver. and um, A girl band. Well, I think there were guys in well, the Well, Madeline Morris. Yeah, Madeline, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there was, um, he... He, so he, he also did a, a couple of compilations. One was called, uh, uh, you know, it was all about SF bands and stuff like that. And it was a really good, it had the nuns on it, I think. And so SF Underground, that one? Yeah, it was It was a really good compilation. And, and, and he did one called Rap Music for Rap People. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So With the cramps. Yeah, and DOA and a bunch of bands. And So he was doing a lot of that stuff. But he was also acting as a promoter and promoting shows and stuff like that. And so then he started CD Presents. and uh, He gave you money? Like, was that hard? Well, he didn't give us money, no. <laughs> I had to work. I got a job at Cater Litho, which was a poster shop where all the punk rockers were working, you know, under the table because you could work. They paid everybody cash. It was great. And I met a lot of people there just working at Cater Litho. <laughs> Do you remember any of the bands that you played with when, when the 45s were together? Um, yeah, sure. I guess I'd, I'd have to rack my brain. Like, know. do you remember Should've the gigs with the Black Flag? Like, you played with the Black yeah, Flag or the Go-Go's? At the know? Hong Kong Cafe, I remember we played with them, yeah. Yeah. What do you uh, remember about... I loved it. <laughs> what about the Go-Go's? What about I loved the them? Go-Go's, and I was friends with Margot, the bass player, and used to go to all their shows. And Oh, it was exciting. I love I loved being in Los Angeles at that time, you know. It was a great experience, and, and Rand- I ended up there. And Randy met Brian Adams? <laughs> 
He did? Yeah. He was singing at Cantorus Deli. Randy Rampage. Ran oh, yeah, into. that's in his book, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I guess I wasn't there that night. I was probably working. But <laughs> I didn't meet Brian that night. And I? Randy Rampage also worked at Benihana. He brought home food from Benny. Like, how did you survive? Do you remember <laughs> Randy bringing Benihana food home? Or no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's all a blur. You know, I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, but um, I do remember, and this is in my book. Um, him putting his fist through a plate glass window of a bakery underneath the Hong Kong cafe one night because he was mad because his girlfriend, I don't know, he was having a fight with his girlfriend, uh, Nina. So he put his fist right through the, the windshield, the wi- you know, this huge plate glass window of a bakery. And uh, amazingly, he didn't, <laughs> lop off, didn't lop off his hand <laughs> or anything. But uh, I remember that. Did that he was, stick around? He, he took off. <laughs> no, he was really mad, so he took off. But uh, no, uh, there was, you know, yeah, we ended up in L.A., as I said, because, you know, uh, Brad had a lot of connections and and contacts in California because he would played, you know, guitar for the Avengers. But was the response good for the 45? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like you were doing gigs and this is the life. Yeah, we we were maybe all of three months or something. (laughs) Didn't last. And then you don't get the pill gig and it's over. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You know, I ended up. I remember, um, I remember I took off. I left L.A. and I went up to San Francisco and ended up, that's where I met my uh, future husband, Peter Haskell. And anyway, that's a whole other story, but uh, ended up living in San Francisco and trying to play, put it together another band. And then Hello? we went to New York together. Oh, sorry. We have a caller. Caller, <laughs> are you there? Hello. Nard. <laughs> Hello, hello, damage Shay Dimage. You <laughs> very good, Ed. I heard you were talking to me. Somebody gave me gave me a call and said I should phone in. Hi, oh. Michael. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, I guess that's why we were even talking about our son. Oh, uh, Mr. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The king of YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm. You know that's. Yeah. Yeah, well, Michael's skeptical, but. Oh, what? He's to be doing it. What? He's you know, doing hey. really well. Yeah. What? No, he's doing really well. I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> what can you wow. say um, about you're just, this? You're just go and do it. No, I, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a, I am a huge fan. Now, how do you play into the zealots <laughs> equation, Michael Racevic from Damage Shade Damage? And the I Shades. Think, you were in the Shades, weren't you? Yeah. And you played keyboards in the shades, right? No, no. I told I you. The, I was the bass player. Reed Urchuk was the, was the uh, keyboard yeah. player. I wanted you to play keyboards <laughs> in the shades. I've brought a time machine. We can make this happen. That was Reed Urchuk? Oh. Reed, yeah. What, what was his Reed last name? Chuck played keyboards. Yeah. I was just a bass player. But we are <laughs> actually joined here also by Jason Flower from Supreme Echo Records, who is reissuing the Zealots Seven Inch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right, Jason. Actually, I'm wrong. It's not actually a reissue. It's for the first time. It's an archival release. Everyone keeps saying reissue, and I keep saying it's not a reissue. It's an issue (laughs) the first time. Yeah, I'm rather intrigued because I still have a huge box of all the damage they damage tapes. No doubt. Like, literally a box. Oh, uh, yeah, we all carried around those. I'd like to see a box of Shades tapes myself. (laughs) 
I've got a few shaved pigs, not too many, and they're probably disintegrating right now. Now, could you please explain your lineage in Vancouver punk rock and how the zealots fit in? This for the people listening, this quickly. How the zealots fit in. I was the bass player in the Shades, as you mentioned, and uh, we were we were one of the few bands who, when when the Smiling Buddha first opened, I think we were one of the first bands to be in there for doing the. I don't know who was the absolute first, but it was early. We sort of the punk scene took over the Buddha, and they were kind of skeptical at first, but. Then, you know, we started packing the place out like it's never been, and they loved that. The club owner, you mean, right? Yeah, the yeah. Lashman. Yeah. Lashman right. and good old Igor. That's right. Became Punk Igor Rock Central. From, Igor was from another fucking planet, <laughs> looking back on it. But I used to frequent down to the Buddha. I went down there in my school sports car parked out front, wandered <laughs> in the front door, and I saw this band playing. And I looked and went, you know... I like her. <laughs> she looks cool. And I waited until uh, um, I waited until the set was over, and I met her off stage and passed her the gin and tonic. But gin and tonic was the magic drink in the Smiling Buddha because of the black light. Yeah, they glowed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they glowed. And I met her, and we started chatting and stuff like that. And after ten minutes, I said, "You want to blow this pop stand and go for a ride in my sports car?" <laughs> and she said, yeah, let's get out of here. So she ditched her band, and we went out for a burn. Yeah, we did. And that's, <laughs> that's how it started. What were the zealots like? Um, yeah, no, you're one of the few that actually saw us perform. Oh, well, I... I don't know. I don't really remember the music. To tell you the <laughs> he truth. just thinks just he remembers be, meeting me. I'm just going, I'm going to pick up that redhead. <laughs> yeah, he's a dog. And in, I always a dog. Isn't she? And the rest of the punk rockers were looking at me walk out the door like 10 minutes later going, how the fuck? And anyway, yeah. <clears throat> and then afterwards, you formed Damage Shade Dimanche. How did that come about? Uh, that, I, I was... Let's see, before I went to Europe, I was playing around with this idea for a pop band. I was playing with a few friends of mine, and I was coming up with these, like, degenerate pop tunes. <laughs> and uh, then my friend Tom A., he brought over this guitar player one day, and he was quite burly and very scary-looking. And this guy just stood at the end of the room, fucking looking at me, very judgmental. And he just marched up to me. And the first thing he said is he grabbed the guitar out of my hand, put it in the open G, said, here, use one finger. <laughs> and I did. And suddenly I found I could play rhythm really well and I could sing better. Because <laughs> I wasn't concentrating on trying to make all these stupid chords. And um, since then, I've learned all the Keith Richards tricks and stuff like that. He taught me all those. But merch was up fucking genius. He was the most incredible guitar player. He knew more about tone and sound. He was he was light years ahead of everybody at the time. And then how did Mary Jo get in those leather pants? And how did you get in those leather pants? Because that's what I remember. You guys well, had the a, leather pants, right? Well, there was a... The leather pants. Taylor, Taylor Little was our original drummer, just because he was a friend of mine and he was in the shade. That's right, stuff. he was. But, Taylor but he was, used yeah. to play with uh, Art Bergman. 
Mm-hmm. And I was very specific about the drum beats I wanted for all my songs and Damage They Damage and stuff. And <laughs> then one day the Art Bergman record came out and I heard all the beats that I wrote for all of my songs on the Art Bergman record. <laughs> and I got a little choked. Mm-hmm. And I, it kind of affected our friendship since <laughs> then. <laughs> no uh, but how did Mary play into the fact of Damage She Damage? Because she, the modernettes. Mary is my stepsister. Oh. Yeah, they go way back. In the family. We go way back. Mm-hmm. She was my sister's best friend. She used Marianne. to live across the street from us. And oh. she came from this very, very large, very religious family. Mm-hmm. And her parents kicked her out on the fucking street. Oh, sorry. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that was after my father died. So my mother being, you know, who my mother was, she said, you can come and live here, no problem. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a hilly household where I lived there and I had my sister Mary Ann and my sister Mary Beth. <laughs> and they're both the same age and same sign and everything. And they're still best buddies to this day. And Mary's actually moved out. Uh, Mary's just been through rather a traumatic bout. She, uh, her and Brad Kent got together. She rescued Brad Kent from a hopeless addiction and took him off to Edmonton and got him all straightened up. And they had a band called Monster Baby. And they just finished recording everything. They had an album about to come out. They had all the merchandise and gigs booked. And they were just about to jump in the van and come out here. And Brad got sick. Yeah, that was really and sad. And so they took him to the hospital, and he didn't last long. He died. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. really sad. It was, yeah. it's, great the, it's great that the music lives on for the Zealots. Heather kept that cassette tape, and the Zealots <laughs> oh. also had a Modernettes connection with Jughead okay. playing drums, that's like that's the, oh. mo- the yeah. Modernettes in Racevic's band and the Modernettes in Heather's oh. band. That's right. He played John on, on the door. Buck Cherry, uh, the form, the artist formerly known as Buck Cherry, uh, he was my roommate. We were like best buds. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, we there's lots of together, intermingling and, of uh, individuals. And in that uh, scene. because he was my roommate, that's <laughs> why we got them to back us up when the Shades had their first big gig. It was three nights at the Smiling Buddha, and we got them in there, and that was their first gig ever, and they did really well. Everybody loved them. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for phoning in. Michael oh, Reykjavik. one last request. Oh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> or maybe two. Um, uh, I'm, because Mary, she went to a, she's living out here in the West Coast. She's up in Powell River right now. She was just at a, some rock festival up in Seashell, and she ran into the drummer from Damage They Damage. She was Carabellavo. And he was looking really well, and they're standing there together, and all these people were walking by looking at them going, hey, you're from that band. Hey, where's Mike? Where's Merch? And they were going like, what the fuck? People remember us? Anyway, um, uh, we're looking for Merch. Mm. I would like to know if anybody knows the location of Scott Murchison, also known as Merch, and probably a few other names. I'm not sure if you've been in many bands, I'm sure. But I'd like to know where Merch is, and I'd like him to get hold of us if he could. And uh, other than that, uh, Nard, me and you have a mutual friend who just passed from the face of this earth. And I don't know whether you know. You know, remember Hope and Duquette? Yes, I do. I was so, I couldn't believe that he actually passed away. Hope had, like, was an amazing fellow. He actually had 
I remember he came into CITR once and he told me a story of how like he left his backpack on a mountain and forgot about the backpack. But the only thing in the backpack was like a Nardwar card. So like the police <laughs> phoned me thinking that I was up a mountain or whatever. But I was like, what the hell? And he said it was him. It was his bag that he left up the mountain. So it's really sad that Hoka passed away because he's an amazing, it was, it was an amazing story. Yeah. Uh, well, he certainly missed, I've, I've been working in the IATSE paint department for the last 24 years, I guess. And that's where I met him. I met him as a fellow scenic painter. Well, well, thanks so much, Mike, for phoning in. I really I appreciate it. And actually, if you want to, um, where can Mike check out you guys, the Zealots? Where, where is, where is the? So, what are the events happening on the twenty yeah. third? So that's Next a week Saturday. Saturday. We're going to be at What's Up Hot Dog. I can't remember the address on Hastings. Thank Near you, Nanaimo. Yeah, uh, we're going to be there from 8 p.m. onwards. We're going to be rocking out. We've got uh, a great uh, DJ set of CanCon punk rock. (laughs) And uh, Heather will be there. I'm hoping a a number of Vancouver punk rock alumni will be coming out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be playing tunes and celebrating and probably eating hot dogs. (laughs) And and during the day, we're going to be at Neptune Records. We're going to be at Red Cat on Hastings. And we will be at Music Madhouse in Burnaby. And this is all in celebration of the Zealot Seven Inch Flexi Disc. That's Renew- right. Issue oh, new, oh, all brand oh, new, never heard before. Yeah, tunes, well, great well, tunes. Well, thanks very much, Mike, and keep on rocking the free world. And <laughs> do do loot do, do do. <laughs> Ciao. See all you right. later. <laughs> Amazing, CITR. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Just a guy from the shades. I yeah. wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. that was Correcting me. My, Thank you. You my, were right. My boy's dad. Yeah, <laughs> your boy's dad. Our, 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 you know, illustrious son. And Mike plays Lucas. bass in the shades. I told you. I know. I should have listened. <laughs> I wanted him I to do, play I, keyboard. I can remember that. Because new clientele has a great keyboard riff, do. doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that was Reed. Yeah, I know that. That was Reed. He was really. Cool. Really good. Uh, and and you, that. Heather, winding up here, you moved to LA, the Rattler. The Rattler. Yeah. The what rattler. was a Rattler? Well, it was, a, you know, I'm a poet, and it was a poetry zine that I published with the aforementioned Peter Haskell, whom I'd met in San Francisco. And uh, it was just a little zine, uh, very big on graphics. We, we combined a lot of visuals with, with, with verse, with poetry. And uh, we put out four issues. It was just pretty rad. We really liked it. Uh, it was. I don't know. It's still around. I've got some copies. And did, did you do reviews, too, for the LA Weekly? Yeah, I used to work at the LA Weekly, and I wrote um, music reviews and, and art reviews, even. and, uh, and On a weekly and, basis? And then I covered, you know, my beat was the poetry and spoken word scene in Los Angeles, which was very vibrant and very exciting. So, Did you ever run into Courtney Love? I know you talked to Susie from L7. Did you ever yeah, run into there, Courtney? Well, I, I, you know, I actually worked with Danita and Susie at the LA Weekly. That's how I met them. And uh, and Courtney used to rehearse in my studio. I had a studio on Hoover Street in Silver Lake called uh, the Ethical Pool, and she rehearsed there. Devo rehearsed there. Uh, all kinds of people rehearsed there. It was a, and it was, oh. it was a lot of. What fun. do you remember about Courtney back then? <laughs> Did you have any interactions well, with her? Well, sure. I mean, I saw her all the time. She was she was great. We we had a nice, really good relationship. She she loved my dog. We had a dog. Well, we had several dogs, but 
she um she loved our dog what was the dog's uh, name barney and it was a girl and <laughs> she loved her and uh and i remember one time she gave the drummer shit because she was she had just gotten a new tattoo or piercing on her vagina and she was going to show us her you know her piercing or whatever and courtney yelled at her don't you do that or you're out of the band <laughs> she was like standards yeah she did she was she was going to she, she got really upset like no you can't do that were you around at all for the decline movies like that era mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. And in fact, um, my band, the 45s, our band, the 45s, was going to play that night at Club 88. Well, we did play, but we didn't get filmed. But Penelope Spheres, she filmed um, The Germs that night, I think, and X. Uh, but we had to use the same big, you know, ugly-ass uh, microphones that they used for the film. They were huge, and they were really hard to, to handle. But that also means you played with The Germs <laughs> and The X? Is that yeah. what you just told yes. all of Vancouver? Yes. Wow. Yes. Of course. Underline that one. <laughs> Lots of bands. I could. I should have brought a list of all the bands I've played with, but and played bills on. But um. But yeah. So that I remember that because I was you know pissed off that I had to use those ugly, horrible microphones. That How they do they used compare with this? <laughs> oh, these are nice in yeah. comparison. Are you kidding? Oh, were you around for the Motley <laughs> Crue era? You know, the Sunset Strip, Penelope. No, era? I think that was before my time. The Motley Crue. Motley Crue's eighty one. The hair metal. Oh, well, sure. I mean, there were always hair bands, right? And actually, I was friends with Guns N' Roses that era. Well, I was friends with with uh, a person named Guy Man Dude. Do you know who Guy Man Dude is? Well, he's a big hair dude. Like you yeah, know, I recognize the name. Oh, I'm surprised you, you you don't know him, Jason. Anyway, he was uh, of that ilk, you know, big hair and uh, and big guitar sound, and he, he was pretty cool. But, I mean, I didn't certainly, no, I didn't really run with any of those people or know any of those people. I just you know, think it's awesome you mentioned Motley Crue, because I wanted to mention <laughs> that when you were talking about L.A., but, I, you know. <laughs> no, that was a whole other universe. I mean, L.A. is so huge that, you know, there are all these different uh, little scenes you know and then scenes within scenes and you know i used to uh, hang out a lot with as i said poets but also um visual artists and then also a lot of people who worked in video and performance art like i used to hang with you know i knew was friends with johanna went and so there was a lot of that there was a lot of you know cross-pollination between genres and in la and i I just found that very exciting a lot of i think was because of the um, olympic arts festival that had taken place in 84 and so there was just it was just a hotbed of of uh, for the arts. What years were you arts. in LA actually? Well, I first went there in '80, I guess, and so stayed there. And then I stayed there till '92, and uh, wow. I was part of the um, what they were calling the White Exodus. I was standing on the roof of my studio, and with a, with a garden hose, wishing we'd bought the shotgun that we'd discussed you know possibly buying the week before because there were people cruising by you know gangbangers and and it was scary uh, right next door to our studio was a korean grocery store and they were being targeted by the gangbangers so we were standing up there just feeling completely impotent and helpless and, and there were no police no firemen it was terrifying mm-hmm. and i swear i never felt more like a canadian at that moment you know going i'm wishing i had a shotgun i'm like okay i need to go home now i've been here long enough <laughs> you know i gotta get out of here and you're heather haley from <laughs> the zealots talking to me nardwar the human serviette as well as jason flower from supreme, supreme echo, echo who have Released upon the world a recording <laughs> of a new, uh, an unreleased recording right. of the Zealots. Brand new. So you moved up back to Vancouver, and I love the name of your book, The Town's <laughs> Sluts Daughter. That is amazing. This book, yeah, though, is subtitled <laughs> Not Even Punk Rock Could Save Her by Heather Haley. 
in the book, you hid in the Buddha from undercover cops. But that is like a real life zealot story. Um, uh, okay, the, the the novel is it is fiction. It's a novel, um, but it's sort of uh, a mix of you know real events and some real characters, real people, and made up characters. So some of the events actually like there's there's a scene about the clash and 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 seeing them at the Commodore that you know actually happened as I said earlier, and I went to that show and and so that's described in there. And but everything, a lot of the other things that happen in and you know, throughout the book are made up. You know things that I you know I, I imagined. So, so it's so it is fiction, but it's yeah, I, I don't know. Did you ever read the E.L. Doctoral book Ragtime? He did that in that book. Not that I'm comparing myself to E.L. Doctoral, but he did that in that novel, and I loved it. And I read it bit when of, I was, when I was in high school. Yeah, he, he portrays oh. Isadora Duncan and a lot of the things that happened to her. And but then it's a lot of most of it's fiction. It's just fascinating. How did Michael oh. Scholar discover this book? Because Michael Scholar discovered Hardcore Logo and turned it into a play. Mm-hmm. How did he discover the town slut's daughter <laughs> and turn it? In, uh, eventually, he's going to turn it into a play, right? Yeah, we actually are. Um, talking right now about adapting it to the stage and uh and i'm also as i said earlier i'm going to talk with uh, i've been talking with colin griffiths about composing the music together colin is a great guy oh Hi, he is colin. so talented and and, and a sweetie yeah oh, how yeah. did michael find out about the book michael michael racevic uh michael scholar oh michael scholar yeah <laughs> all these michaels um well, I think I contacted him via Facebook, but I had met him when he when he during the when he did the hard car logo. I went down, saw that show, and uh, Chris Crud introduced me to to Michael. So we've been in touch since then. And so I was thinking about you know uh, about the stage adaptation of the novel, and then I I finally it occurred to me, oh, I should talk to Michael Scholar Jr. because that's exactly what he does. So I got in touch with him, and he's been very enthusiastic. And we've had a meeting, and we're going to meet soon again because he's he was working on a project. So we're we're going to uh, have a meeting this coming month and uh, get down to get down to brass tacks and start actually working on it. So. Heather, you also make videos. Where did you get the chicken in How to Remain? <laughs> the chicken? Yeah. There's some chicken in the video. That's why we came here. Oh, Tell right, us about right, the chicken. Right. The chicken, the fried chicken that Roderick is eating. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> fried if chicken. If people are listening, like. Okay, what that is is video poetry. I'm a, a poet and I use, I like to work with various media. So, um, a lot, uh, I adapt my, my work to video, or, and I use film, but it's too expensive. So, you know, I've always worked with video. And as I said, when I was in L.A., I met a lot of video artists, so I was really into video. So I make, um, some people call them, you know, poetry film because they're snobs, but uh, I just call them video poems. And so one uh, one of them is called How to Remain. And, yeah, we, we, we Roderick was a really good sport. We had him all decked out in a, in a white suit, and we were just sort of spoofing on... Um, you know, picnic scenes and stuff like that. Anyway, you're going to play that song, right? So then it'll make sense what I'm saying. And <laughs> people can visualize. <laughs> but there's a really funny scene where, where Roderick's uh, gnawing down. It's all, it's, it's food themed and it's about, you know, eating disorders and stuff like that. So uh, he's he's gnawing down on this fried chicken. It was horribly horrible too because it just, you know, came out of the freezer. It wasn't, you yeah. know, cooked or anything. <laughs> and then we were trying to keep the sauce off of his, sh- off his white, sh- uh, off his white suit. <laughs> it was just, and my dog, Sam, was running around and trying to get at the chicken and, and, and knocking <laughs> shit over because he was huge. <laughs> it was it was quite the project. It was a lot of fun. The so, zealots. Yeah, so I'm crazy. I, you know, I work with videos, too. I work in video. Did you consider using some zealots music now? What, what do you mean? As part of your poetry. You <laughs> oh. know, like, 
Well, I could, but um, yeah, oh, maybe, you know. I don't know. And I, I'm going to try and focus on this, you know, this, this, the play thing or the stage adaptation next. That's my next project, you know, that I need to focus on. Uh, what about for you, Jason? Is it over? Like, is there more Canadian stuff out there? Oh. Have you run out? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, I doubt that. Uh, most of, there's very. Will you ever run out? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I, I think I w- want to give some kind of shout out just to the fact that really in every region of Canada right now, there is a new generation of people doing archival releases. So on the East Coast, you've got Unknown Coast, which is focused on maritime releases. You've got Ugly Pop out of Toronto. Um, you've got Mean Beam, which is doing uh, Power Pop stuff. You've got Hosehead. You've got Neon Taste. All these labels are focused on uh, showcasing uh, Canadiana from the past. Most of those labels, uh, for the most part, are doing reissues. Uh, when it comes to archival releases, where you're really uh, digging something up that's never uh, been released before, I really think that uh, there's just this endless gold mine. And Vancouver, in particular, is it was just such a prolific city. So there's there's lots more coming, and there's lots more coming on Supreme Echo right now. I've got four releases. So there's going to be Vendetta, which is the Ottawa punk one that we just played. There will be the Wasted Lives, which features Colin Griffiths, a Vancouver band, with mm-hmm. and also with and you Jane's know. And in that too, right? I mean, uh, Mary. Yeah, Mary is, and uh, Phil Smith, and Andy Graffiti, which is my favorite drummer from Vancouver from that era. It's just an incredible percussionist. So that's all their studio sessions. There's the Stiffs, which we played, and there's also going to be another Triton Warrior release, which is from an acetate, one copy in existence, an wow. acetate demo, which we remastered and are, repress- or, and are pressing. Wow. We are going to hear, to end an Ardoir show, some zealots, then we're going to hear the sick fox. <laughs> Who are the sick fox? The sick fox. And what are they covering here? So the f- sick fox were a first wave Canadian uh, Victoria punk group that predate the Dayglo abortions with Murray Acton. They had a, a singer named Leslie on vocals. So it's a female fronted group. They predominantly would have played, I think, in the Vancouver scene, although they did play by then there were gigs going on in, in Victoria. Do you remember them, Heather? Uh, vaguely, I do. They played with I Eddie Eddie Shit and the Rolled Up Peanuts. I remember hearing about. They them, played the Smiling sure Buddha. I saw them. Yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. they they played with the Bludgeon Pigs, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Who are a great group, goddamn. And uh, they did them. a yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah. they're awesome. And they they, were. they did a number of 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 BC punk covers. So they did the Wasted Lives, and they also did the Dish Rags. So we're gonna hear the Sick Fucks from 1979 playing a dish rags cover of I Don't Love You. And I want to point out that the drummer of the Sick Fucks, his name's Fred, and he played with the leader of Steppenwolf. What that guy, what's that guy's name? John Cale? He played with that guy in, in their... Sparrow? In, in the pre-Sparrow, the Knights of Chance. John Cale's very first teenage garage group was with this guy, Fred, who plays in the Sick Fucks on this recording. Wow. And did he later go on to the Dayglo abortions? No, he left and uh, 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 Spud and Cretton carried on. And uh, then Brian came in. And notably as well, prior to the Sick Fucks, those guys were all in like a, I don't know, a noodly rock band called Airborne, which they don't like to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to hear the Zealots, Let's Play House. Then we're going to hear the Sick Fucks doing (laughs) I Can't 
I don't love you. I don't love you. I can't love you. I can't love you. Uh, And then we're going to hear some Oral Heather. Which track are we going to hear? It's called How to Remain. That's, that's, you know, we're discussing the video. And anything you want, I guess. Well, the the guitarist is Roderick Schulbraid, and he's from Salt Spring Island. And uh, we we, we had this group together for about five years, and he's a very talented uh, guitarist and producer. Yeah, Jason likes it, so you know it's good. <laughs> what is the most expensive Vancouver record right now? Because I'd heard for a long time it was a gentleman of horror, but mm. now it's like no exit. Yeah, no what exit. What is the most expensive Canadian punk rock record? Oh, the most expensive Canadian well, punk th- record? Th- recently, like in well, BC. In BC, BC or Canadian? Well, for a long time it was a gentleman of horror yeah, so and I would say- Rude Norton. Yeah, I would say no exit. No exit is at least twelve hundred now. So if you've got one sitting at home, you know. Um, do you want to? Can I say which I think is better though? <laughs> is it even relevant? You know. Did you see no exit at all, <laughs> Heather? I, I think so. I vaguely remember. Sorry, mm. I can't remember more. It's okay. <laughs> it was a long time it's, ago. It's such a special <laughs> package, you know. But all the songs are Actually, so similar sounding on I it. I know, and we played a we played a show. The Forty Fives played a show with no exit. I yeah. believe. They, yeah, yeah there's, they, there's a poster, right? They existed. Yeah, they yeah. existed into the uh, probably 82 or 83. Mm-hmm. They, I think they played Victoria as well. Right. Active Dog or Proto-Punk? Well, what else do you call them? You know, I, uh, so that's the latest one that I've just uh, gotten agreements to reissuing. And we've got four studio tracks and a number of uh, demos. And uh, everybody's on board. And I've been chatting with Ross a lot lately. And um, he himself said that they basically they just found themselves uh, amidst this burgeoning punk scene. But, you know, they'd been playing in various groups under mm-hmm. different names for for years. Right. And, um, it, you know the that wild energy is definitely equatable to you know the mm-hmm. punk era you know but i think they just got adopted by the punk scene they were just doing their own thing out in the burbs really yeah and then then this was just before it all exploded in vancouver yeah know? yeah the yeah. schmorgs era right i mean well i'm not sure i think active dog really just started uh, during you know in the initial Vancouver punk rock scene, well they but, were seventy eight, but, but they all knew each other out in Surrey. I yeah, know, yeah, I know that. they they had yeah. been in other groups. Yeah. Yes, yeah. At mm-hmm. at the time of having that name, it would have been around seventy eight. Yeah. It was pretty short lived for for Active Dog. Yeah, that was. Too. What about Easy Money? Easy Money was Victoria's premier power pop group. They were also the first group uh, at the turn of the decade to have independent 45s released. But they were older than most of the punk rockers in the scene. So there was quite a bit of distancing. They wanted to be a success. Um, They they did play some punk rock, but they didn't really have anything to do with the the DIY youth punk scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were reissued recently. They were reissued by Neon Taste and Hosehead as a co-release. It it includes both their singles as well as uh, some wilder sort of punk demos from 7980, which were very well recorded by... um, by one of their guitarists and uh yeah it's available you can get it around town certainly at neptune and victoria at supreme echo and you have released upon this world a new (laughs) zealots recording right (laughs) the zealots flexi oh yeah exactly and one more time where can people check out the zealots celebration uh it's at what's up hot dog on hastings near nanaimo next saturday september 23rd Eight o'clock? Yeah, eight yeah. till one. And we have a DJ, and uh, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, come on down. And then, yeah, record store appearances yeah. earlier in the day. Earlier in the day, we're going to be at Neptune starting at 1 p.m. 
Uh, I believe we're going to be at Red Cat about 2.15, and we'll be at Music Madhouse a bit after 3, and you can find information uh, with exact times for all these events on the Supreme Echo Label um, Facebook page, as well as the individual record store pages. And the Zealots are on a flexi-disc. A 7-inch flexi-disc. Direct Metal <laughs> Master. beautiful. What was the Sturdy. four? What was the Fabulous. four fables seven inch all about? <laughs> wow! Now you got me, man! High five! That's awesome! <laughs> wow! The four fables, damn! Of no, you did. Ten out of ten for you. That is a very, very <laughs> rare. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I think it's two sided flexi disc. Uh, Toronto a go go garagey group from 1964. Wow. That just goes to prove. That flexies can last a goddamn long time. A lifetime. If, if you just take care of them <laughs> and don't barf all over them and try to, you know, fold them in half. Right. There you go. Good advice. Well, anything else you would like to tell the people out there, though, Heather or Jason, about the zealots? Why should people care about the zealots? Don't barf on them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just anxious to hear the song because I've actually not even really heard them. Go ahead and play Let's oh, Play yeah, House. Oh, yeah, this this song this is... This is Let's Play House, right? Yeah, I'd just like to say this is such an awesome pop song. I mean, this is just... It's so tongue-in-cheek. It's yeah. totally well-executed. The backup vocals, it's 10 out of 10. It's uh, a uh, uh, and an homage, so... And then the sick fucks, and then some <laughs> Heather Haley solo on the Nardwar Human Survey radio show. Well, thanks for coming out. Anything you want to add to the people out there at all? Thanks, Nardwar. Thanks for having us. You're awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. You um, are. Do-do-do-do-do. It's gotta be true, it's in teenage pride Cooking and cleaning at my destiny A man about the house, oh what fun Maybe I could even get two or three I'll be the mommy, you be the daddy I'll do the dishes, you give me money I'm tired of playing with dolls. 
to remain thin. Abstain. Abstain from eating food. Calories kill. The fat rats first. If she could say no and balance Belgian truffles on her tongue briefly before spitting them out, she might remain. Live long. Enjoy fruition. By shunning urges, she could linger. Dainty as a colt's hoof, deploying her charms. Raw. Dog trotting a straddled chocolate Arabian through mazes of lane. She could retire to her body. thicken, braids recede. The old gray mare conjured whenever she dared to look. Fight back. She may be forced to cover the gray, yellow, but refuses to swallow diet pills. Amphetamines in the olden days. Dinner in the garbage rouses niggles of guilt. She snuffles it out before Buddy can. Barfing rather than blowing calories on fusty pizza or molding olive oil soft arugula. <laughs> 